Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, thanks again for your word written and the, the truth that you give to us that sets us free to love, to live, to enjoy you and your creation. Do speak to us, each one of us, in the way that we need to hear. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Matthew 6, in the middle of what uh, we call the Sermon on the Mount, starting with verse 19. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See in the beginning of the passage what we alluded to last week. The, the battleground, the, the competing masters, the American gladiators. The battle between God, the God of creation, being our master, or the creation being our master. Now I have a little commercial clip. Part of reading the newspaper 
that, uh, remember last week I told you to watch commercials and see if you can spot the lie. Well, we'll, we'll do a little bit of that with this short commercial. You're right. We need a new TV. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. Text Chase for your credit card balance and decide what to spend in seconds. It's perfect. Real-time info matters. Chase what matters. Chase what matters. Now the real question, what does matter? The commercial would want you to say, well, what matters is to want it all and get it all now. And pay for it later. And that will solve all your problems. And my favorite part of it, actually, is the part that parallels prayer. Did you catch the part that parallels prayer? Sitting in a lazy boy chair, getting the guidance of the pastor next to you, telling you all the different TVs, but then you have to call on God. And God is your bank to tell you how much credit you have in your available to you to spend. And that is the guidance for which television to get. Chase what matters. We make fun of something like that, but those are the voices that we have surrounding us in our day-to-day existence. And Jesus knew clearly how powerful those voices are. And He knows that those voices compete with the voice of God, leading us down certain paths. And He's crying out to us, Say, follow the voice that will lead you to life. One of the voices, verse 19, will lead you to store up treasures that moth and rust destroy and that thieves break in and steal. Things that are vapor. Things that are not eternal. Things that do not last. Things that nature, time, or just human evil will use up. But there are plenty of voices crying out to pursue those things. Instead, store up for yourselves, Jesus says, treasures in heaven. Treasures that aren't destroyed. Treasures that aren't consumed by time and by rust that aren't stolen or destroyed by human evil. What we used to say in college was to have an eternal mindset. A mind set on that which is eternal. That which lasts forever. We used to kid each other when we would get focused on material things of the world around us. You know, whether it be a car or a computer. Tell one another, you know, that's going to burn one day. Rather crass, but, you know, we were college students. We were crass. But it was true. 
and a reminder for us to have that eternal mindset of what Jesus made clear to us of love for God and love for neighbor. What Paul tells us is the fruit of the Spirit, that which is of heaven, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Where's the commercial? Where's the song that cries out, I want that and I want it now? Uh, You need patience, but... First, the fruit of the Spirit that has eternal returns. And Jesus wants to make it clear to us. Verse 21 through 24, that this is a battle for the soul. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And where your vision is, that whole part about the eye being good, where your vision is, your body will be. Will make your body clean, light, or dark. Your heart and your vision can only be on one thing. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You can only have one life goal. You can pursue just one master, one Lord, one God. And is it going to be the God of creation or is it going to be the amount of credit that you have left at the bank? Bob Dylan knew this. you got to serve somebody. And Jesus wants to make it clear, this isn't just a bad idea. It's not just wise trying to serve two gods. Trying to put one foot in, in both places and serve the ways of the world sometime and serve God the other times. It just doesn't work. It's not a, it's not a bad idea. It's impossible. It is impossible to serve God and to serve getting ahead. Modern day parable I'll share with you about a mountain climbing team. They had chosen this highest peak in this mountain range in southern Nepal and it was not it, this, this peak had never been climbed before. And it was particularly difficult for a number of reasons. But they did their work. They pulled the team together. They trained together, got all their supplies. And then in the midst of a terrible storm, they started up the mountain. It's a four-week trek where they faced illness, injury, even lost a member of the team along the way. And even on the way, one of the Sherpas, one of the the, the local guides, Najima, was saying, yeah, this doesn't feel right. I'm not, this just doesn't feel good. To which the rest of the team would gather around him. Come on, Najima, gather your stuff. Let's go. We're, We're heading up the mountain together. Until finally, after four weeks of a grueling trek, they made it to the summit. And it was cloudy. They couldn't see beyond themselves until 
that afternoon. And the clouds rolled away. And they looked around, joying of you, until Najima came and said, Come here. Look. Right over there. You see it? Just right over there. That's the mountain we were supposed to climb. It's taller. And they realized they had spent all this time and effort and training and preparation, even losing one of their members along the way, but they were climbing the wrong mountain. And that's what Jesus cries out to us to avoid. I don't want you to to climb the wrong mountain. I don't want you to chase after what really doesn't matter. I don't want you to give your heart to that which really doesn't give life. And that's the word at the end of verse 24. You cannot serve God and wealth. Actually, if you have older translations, the word that's used there is mammon. Some of you may remember hearing that and wondering, what in the world is mammon? Well, it's actually an Aramaic word, and its meaning is, in a sense, in what we trust. And we've substituted wealth there for many in Jesus' day and our day put their trust in their wealth, in their stuff, in their possessions. Let me share with you what Dale Bruner, who's a New Testament Bible teacher at Whitworth College, that how he describes what mammon is. This, all the other stuff in which we trust besides God. Says so this is a pagan name for a spiritual force who works with tremendous attracting power to draw us into his orbit of influence and out from under the exclusive service of Christ. That spiritual force that draws us into its influence drawing us away from the spiritual service, exclusive service of Christ. So Jesus telling us what we know, that there is one and only one God. There is one mountain to climb. There are goals that are the stuff of life and there are goals that aren't the stuff of life. Where is our treasure? And that's what he's asking us. What goal are we pursuing? Which mountain are we climbing? What are we chasing after? And His warning to us, His challenge to us, is to make sure that it is God and God alone. Let me share with you a poem from Wilbur Reese, 
who gets at this, the inability or the inability to have one foot in, in both worlds in terms of our pursuit, but our unending desire to be able to do that. To have, have God on Sunday and maybe a couple other times, but to do it the world's way the rest of the time. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a stinking homeless man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. You can almost hear Jesus crying out to us. Saying, no, that is not the way of life. You can only serve one master and there's only one master worth serving. There's only one God who gives you life. Everything else is false. Everything else consumes you. Except for God. Who gives you life. And it gives us a a guideline, a couple Sherpas along the way. Here to say, here's, here's how we can gauge if we're going up the right mountain or not. And the first one, he says, is worry or anxiety. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? As we've been saying all along, it is the stuff of this world that doesn't make for a good God. It gives us simply worry and anxiety. Because once we get it, it really doesn't give us the security we thought it would give us. And then once we attain it, we just simply want to attain more. Here's Chrysostom, great preacher of one of of the... third century Christendom says this 1800 years ago same issue says that by by reason of not feeling confident about the security of the things we own and because with our whole mind we are still intent upon what we have not yet seized Jesus wants us to know that unlike stuff, the the one, the creator that we are pursuing is the one who is pursuing us. The one that we are seeking, that we are trying to reach out to and grab hold of is the one who won't let us go. The one that we chase after is the one who has already chased after us. Us with his whole life. 
And so if we're walking along the journey and worry and anxiety come upon us, we know, wait a minute, we're walking up the wrong mountain. Let's go to the right mountain. And he even gives us guidelines for how to do that. Tells us to become an ornithologist. Become a bird watcher. That's what he says. Go out and watch the birds. Look at them. They don't toil, or spin, or gather into barns. And yet God feeds them. Tells us to be a gardener. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at their beauty and glory. Yet they don't toil or spin either. And yet, yet God clothes them with a majestic glory. If God provides for all of those of creation, then how much more will He provide for you, for me? How much more will He give us the fullness, all that we need in life? Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Yeah, I did wonder about this. Just started to think just last night about this commercial that Alabama Power used to run of these birds on the power line and they would talk to each other and talk about all the human beings running around. And I wondered if the birds of the air do sit on lines and see us running around, hurrying and bustling and all the rest, and they say, man, why are they so worried and anxious and pursuing all that stuff? Don't they know the Heavenly Father like we do? Yeah, running around like a human with a head cut off. <laughs> Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles, the pagans, those that don't know God, who strive for all these things. And here's the kicker. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Trust in God, Jesus is telling us. He is generous, He is powerful, and He knows what we need even more than we do. The real answer to serving stuff is to serve God. Is to grow in faith and trust in Him. Not just for salvation. Not just that we get our ticket punched for the glory ride to come. But that we live in faith today. In all of the needs, knowing that God is a generous God. That His storehouses are never exhausted. That He never grows weary and He gives what we need. Now note also, this isn't a call to being a beach bum or couch potato. It's, this isn't a, a statement against desire or goals or ambition. But this is a call to a God-centered ambition. To a God-centered pursuit. 
to being consumed with a generous, powerful, loving God. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Last week we talked about one of the the ways of practices of of really growing and living our stuff as our servant and God as our master was to simply enjoy what God has given us. Not to begrudge it, not to worry about it, but to enjoy it. Today, the, the practice for this week is one of gratitude. To be thankful for what we have. So a friend of mine told me on Monday, if you get up on Monday morning and you don't like your shoes, well, be thankful you got feet to put shoes on. A practice simply of looking for what we are thankful. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, is a great parallel to this passage. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice Let your gentleness be made known to all. For the Lord is near in everything. Do not be anxious. But with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In everything, don't be anxious, but with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Read a prayer from Matthew Henry, who was a commentator 100 years ago or so. And he shared the prayer that he gave, that he wrote, when he came home to his house after he had been robbed. Everything was stolen. And he said, God, I thank you that I wasn't here. I thank you that they took my stuff, but not my life. I thank you, even though they took it all, it wasn't much. And I thank you that I was the one being robbed and not the robber. As the musicians get in place, as deacons get ready to take up the offering, I encourage you this week to practice gratitude. To to do what one of my children used to do regularly at the dinner table. When we would ask this particular child to pray, They would open their eyes and then start giving thanks to God for everything they saw. Dear God, thank you for the wallpaper and the pretty flowers on the wallpaper. Thank you for the plate. Thank you for the spoon. Thank you for the fork. Thank you for the knife. Thank you for mommy and daddy. And on and on it goes until we say, okay, that's good. Thanks God, the food's getting cold. Let's eat. 
But the prayer of a child that simply opens their eyes and looks for all the gifts of a generous God whose storehouses are inexhaustible and whose love and wisdom knows exactly what we need. During this week, may we practice gratitude. Amen.